Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. Richard Lane with you here on Thursday, May the 17th. This week we're focusing on a very interesting paper looking at HDL cholesterol and risk of myocardial infarction. This is actually quite an interesting, potentially controversial area, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by one of the authors of a comment alongside the main research article, and that's Dr. Seamus Harrison from University College London, Department of Cardiovascular Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Harrison. And first of all, can you begin by just outlining what is the clinical issue here? Because there is this assumption that so-called good cholesterol, high-density lipoprotein, HDL, can somehow offset cardiovascular risk. Yes, that is right. Just to sort of go back a step, we know that preventative measures such as statins and antiplatelet medications have really had a major impact in reducing the risk of coronary heart disease. But we think that novel therapies are necessary. And for decades, HDL cholesterol has been known as the the good cholesterol because large-scale epidemiological studies have consistently shown that higher HDL levels are actually associated with protection from heart disease. What's not clear, however, is if this is a causal relationship, and more specifically, whether HDL-raising therapies will actually be a clinically effective method for prevention of CHD. It is possible that HDL is simply a bystander affected by other changes that promote atherosclerosis, and the observed association is due to either reverse causation or confounding. For example, cigarette smoking is a potential confounder because it's associated with both coronary heart disease and low HDL levels. What's interesting about the research article that your commenter is commenting about, the research article is by Voigt and uh, colleagues, it's actually a Mendelian analysis. Can you explain the significance of that? An individual's genotype is randomly assigned at conception. So it's relatively unaffected by confounding or reverse causation. And so genotype can therefore be used as an instrument to investigate potentially causal relationships. And this is really the underlying factor in Mendelian randomization. The basic idea, if a specific genotype is associated with an intermediate biomarker, such as HDL, and that biomarker is causally related to disease endpoint, then we would expect the genotype to also be associated with the disease. And in this study, the authors used two approaches to the Mendelian randomization paradigm. In fairly simplistic terms, they use what I would call a traditional uh, single variant approach, but also a a more novel approach that combines multiple genetic variants into a single instrument that is used for the analysis. One key aspect of of the way Voigt and colleagues did their studies is that they actually composed or rather utilized an overall genetic score, didn't they, rather than just relying on one alteration in a gene? They did. What they did, first of all, uh, was, was, as I say, the traditional analysis. So they identified a genetic variant in the uh, endothelial lipase gene that's present in about 2.5% of the population and is associated with a fairly large effect on HDL cholesterol, but importantly not LDL cholesterol or triglycerides. So if HDL and CHD were causally related then we would expect the carriage of this variant would confer about a 13% reduction in risk of, of coronary disease. But when the authors looked at this in over 100,000 individuals, they found the risk of coronary disease to be fairly similar in carriers and non-carriers of this variant. Secondly, as you mentioned, they took 14 genetic variants that are common in the population and individually have modest effects exclusively on HDL. Individuals in the study were then given a score essentially based upon how many of these variants they carried And again, if HDL pathways were causal for CHD, we would expect that this score would be associated with the risk of CHD. But again, in large-scale analysis, there was really no evidence of this. So using two approaches uh, to the Mendelian randomization concept, 
the authors really provide pretty strong evidence that genetically raised HDL does not seem to play a major role in, in CHD risk. Can you just m- briefly mention any other methodological aspects of the study you think are important here? Going back to the, the genetic risk score, one of the problems we encounter in Mendelian randomization analysis is that single genetic variants tend to have fairly modest effects on the biomarkers of interest, and this leads to a problem known as weak instrument bias, which in fairly simplistic terms reduces your confidence in the overall MR analysis. And it's possible that combining many of these variants with relatively modest effects into a single score can overcome this problem and really increase the analytical power. And I think with an increasing number of genome-wide data sets, we're probably going to see more of this type of analysis in the literature. And although there are some potential analytical problems, such as pleiotropy, whereby a genetic variant affects multiple different pathways, I think it's still a potentially very powerful tool for taking MR analysis forward. Let's now focus, we've already touched on it, but the main results from Voigt and colleagues' study. You mentioned earlier that if and specifically this issue of causality or not, if there was a causal relationship between uh, HDL and um, and a decreased risk of, of MI, you would, from the Mendelian study here, you would have expected a 13, a 1-3% reduction? Exactly. So for, so for the single variant um, study that has a relatively large effect for a genetic variant on, on HDL levels, then we would expect that if an individual or a group of individuals carried this variant, then they would have lifelong exposure to higher HDL levels and therefore a lower risk of heart disease. But the authors didn't find this, and it was really a very large study, as I said, in over 100,000 individuals. So I think that the negative result can be considered as fairly definitive. Can you just detail that negative result? It was something like a, a 1% or it, was, it wasn't even significant, was it? it, it well, it wasn't significant at all. The, the, the odds ratio for carriage of this variant was 0.99 um, and the p-value was, was above 0.1. So it was um, there was really no evidence of, of uh, a causal relationship between this variant and coronary heart disease. And it wasn't even sort of borderline significant. It was way over being, it was it was far away from being statistically significant, wasn't it? Exactly. So as I said, p-value greater than 0.1. And I think it's it's a confident null. Uh, the effect line was right on the, right on the line of null effect. A very clear and a very strong result from this study, which turns on its head, you know, our original question or discussion point at the beginning of the podcast, this assumption that good cholesterol can confer some sort of protection uh, on a heart, heart attack. Where does this leave us now? I mean, do you think this research is, because of its structure and, and its, uh, with, it, with its Mendelian analysis and this very strong result, do you think that's unequivocal evidence and, and that therefore the implications for public health and, and policy should start from now? Well, I really have two take-home messages from this study. The first is that this is really robust evidence, as you say, that genetically raised HDL levels don't seem to protect against coronary heart disease. And this does question the belief that HDLC raising therapies will be clinically useful in, in preventing cardiovascular disease. And this is a timely finding because we heard just last week that trials of uh, a CETP inhibitor, which increases HDL, called dalcetropib, have actually been suspended because of futility. Uh, so the interim analysis uh, seemed to show no beneficial effect of HDL raising over and above statin treatments for for LDL cholesterol. The results of the clinical trials and the genetic analysis seem to be broadly concordant. The one caveat I would mention is that this study focused solely upon HDL levels, and there is an emerging body of evidence that 
HDL functional capacity rather than absolute levels could play a role in CHD risk. So I don't think the HDL story is finished just yet. The second major message that I would take home from this study is that with a careful analytical approach and obviously well-powered studies, then Mendelian randomization studies with both single and multiple variants are, are going to become an increasingly important way to utilize large genomic data sets in a translational capacity, potentially providing information on both causal relationships, but also novel treatment strategies and guidance of, of future clinical trials. Well, thank you very much for that, Seamus Harrison. And, and just as to stress, this was specifically looking at HDL. We should just mention that, of course, that the lowering of LDL from statin therapy is still absolutely crucial, isn't it, in the cholesterol story? Absolutely. The data about statins and LDL cholesterol is, is, is incontrovertible. I think going forward, that's going to be the mainstay of our preventative measures. And hopefully new strategies will hit the literature soon. Well, many thanks indeed. That's Dr. Seamus Harrison, University College London, and do look out for his comment. And of course, the main research article that Dr. Harrison's comment is reviewing by Voigt and colleagues published online on thelancet.com today, Thursday, May the 17th. Well, that's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. See you next time.